0: The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenberger and Skiba presents the 26th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill Food Made Fresh Kickoff
1: with your host, Phil Halk, Marcus Freeman. A few things to think about after last week's loss to Stanford. Number one, time of possession. Indy's run first, play good defense identity had been resulting in good time of possession numbers. 40 minutes and 55 seconds against BYU... against North Carolina and 33-02 against Cal. Well, Stanford flipped this trend on its head. Tanner McKee, employing Stanford's efficient MESH RPO passing game, possessed the ball a dominating 36 minutes and 7 seconds. During Marcus Freeman's Monday press conference before Stanford, he offhandedly admitted that he hadn't seen much Stanford film yet. Well, why not? After all, that MESH offense is tricky. I know you are out recruiting nonstop, but there are only 24 hours in a day, and while the Irish recruiting game is trending up, the play on the field is trending down. Think about it. Number two, Notre Dame played good defense last week, sort of. For the sixth time out of six games this season, the defense held their opponent to under its season average for points. Stanford only scored 16 points. That should be plenty good to win any game you play. Unfortunately, with the offense struggling, the defense needed to play perfect. And they did. Hmm. Number three, pass rush. Stanford was statistically one of the worst at protecting their quarterback. But the Irish notched just one sack. Well, someone needs to light a fire under Isaiah Foskey. And soon. Number four, slow starts. Notre Dame has not scored a touchdown in the first quarter this season. The inability of a team to come out of the locker room emotionally prepared to play is the coaching staff's fault. Period. Number five, turnovers. The Irish have one fumble recovered and one interception made this season. Getting turnovers is a bit like voodoo. Maybe Indy needs a witch doctor. Number six, tipped passes. Drew Pine is susceptible to having his passes tipped at the line of scrimmage. I've seen it in practices, you've seen it in games. Pine had two passes tipped Saturday. The Irish were hurt by this. Maybe Tommy Reese should every so often dial up a play or two that gets Pine moving outside the pocket. Just a thought. Number seven, Michael Mayer. You can't continually force feed the greatest college tight end in the world, especially against double and sometimes triple coverage. The 41-yard touchdown catch by Tobias Merriweather was a bright spot last week. Tommy Reese, please find more ways to get the ball to receivers like Merriweather down the field. To do so will make Michael Mayer better. Finally, home field advantage. After winning 32 out of 33 at home from 2017 to 2021, the Irish are 1-2 in South Bend this year. They've played better on the road. Coach Freeman... Please take note, what is the difference in your routine on home game days? Well, that's what I thought about after Stanford, and now I've moved on. Marcus Freeman, the rest is up to you. What
0: was I thinking?
1: Guadalupe's Mexican Grill, located on Illinois Road, look for new Fort Wayne locations soon. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenberger, and Skiba, Sheer mcculloch auctioneers, and refreshing Coors Light, made to chill, this is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies
2: dedication to hard work, integrity and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes Eisenbarger and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest
0: tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk.
1: Tim Priester, well, let's just get this out of the way. The defense held Stanford to 16 points. That's 13 under their season average. You know, that should be good to win about any game. The offense, though, stalled and stumbled all night long. So is that Tommy Reese's fault? A lot of people
3: think it is. Well, I will say that you know, I mean, anytime the offense underperforms, ultimately it does come back to him. And I understand that. But, you know, he does need the players to play better than they did. And Drew Pine, unfortunately, played a, a much lesser football game than he did in the previous two games against BYU and North Carolina. And, you know, he missed Braden Lindsey early. That would have made a 7-7 game with about three and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. And it could have been very different. Look, I, I was I was a coach at one time. And when we lost, first and foremost, it was it was my fault. I, I get that part, and um, you know Marcus Freeman has to live with that, and and Tommy Reese and Al Golden have to live with that as well. But uh, there comes a time where, when you put them in a position to be successful, they need to be. And even you know, even part of that, I mean, you got to instill them with the confidence to make the play. But I just don't think that whenever the defense struggles, that you can you can flat out say that. Tommy Reese did a poor job. I, I think it's a little bit deeper than that.
1: It, it absolutely is, and and Reese went in front of the media as he does each week on Tuesday night. So, what did Tommy Reese have to say to the media about the performance last week?
3: Well, I, just what I said. I mean, he took responsibility for it. He said, "You know, I can. We can talk about. We should have made this play. We should have made that play, but uh, they didn't. And and so, therefore, it falls on him. And that's the right approach. And I and I'm sure that that." is a Marcus Freeman decree because as early as the previous week, Al Golden was saying that, uh, you know, the defensive issues are on him. Uh, He's made some bad calls one week later when the offense really struggled, it was Reese's turn to do the same. So that, that, that goes to the territory. That's, that's part of coaching. But when you do put, you put your troops in a position to succeed, they need to follow through and do that as well.
1: Yeah. You can't play the game for them. That's for sure. Now, a really incisive line was in your column, your Thursday thoughts column this week, I thought, and I'll repeat it back to you. Uh, The column on irishillustrated.com quote, his support. And this is about Reese. His supporters have scattered. His detractors have become an angry mob. As we sit here today, Tim, what would you say the chances are that Tommy Reese returns next season?
3: Well, I mean, we speculated, like, if you asked me, will he be back next year or not, I would say probably not, because who wants to be in the situation he's in uh, where every direction you turn, you're being criticized. By the same token, he does have a contract with Notre Dame, and I and I don't believe, like, if it comes down to it, I do not believe that Marcus Freeman would fire him, but I do know that, he, that Tommy Reese has other irons in the fire, and the NFL is a possibility there, and if Notre Dame felt like they had to cut ties with, with Tommy Reese, which, again, I don't think Marcus Freeman would, but I think that th- there are some power five, some upper echelon power five conference teams that that would uh, line up to have an opportunity or take, take a shot at getting Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator. My speculation at this point would be, I would just say less than 50% that he will be back, but I don't have anything concrete, and my attitude is with regard to Freeman's opinion about Tommy Reese is unchanged. I don't think that Marcus Freeman would make a decision to replace Tommy Reese.
1: Yeah. Marcus Freeman seems like a very loyal guy, uh, maybe to a fault. uh, But Reese, I I have no doubt has plenty of uh, opportunities beyond or uh, in addition to Notre Dame. And he just might make that decision to move on under the circumstances, the NFL or another power five program, the Irish are one and two at home, Tim Marshall and Stanford. Uh, are 0-7 against FBS opponents this season except for Notre Dame. Notre Dame seems to play better on the road. What is up with that? Is there any insight that Marcus Freeman can give us or that you might have as to why that could be?
3: You know, I asked him about after the game and he really didn't want to answer it and so I answered it or I asked him again on Monday at his noon press conference and I, you know, I, I don't really know that there's a, a specific answer. I mean, I asked him if you, do you change some of the procedure? Cause he says question everything. And so naturally you would be questioning your performance in Notre Dame stadium. And I'm sure there are adjustments that they're looking to make, but you know, I don't really, I, I don't really think that there's anything drastic that can be done or needs to be done. Mass was added a 20 minute mass. That's not what is, what is causing them to play poorly I, I if you ask me exactly what I think it is, I think it's the ex- inexperience of the head coach and the staff that he has with him.
1: OK, and that goes hand in hand with my next question, really. Is it possible that Marcus Freeman, with his emphasis that he stated from the first minute he stepped onto that podium as the new head coach, is he spending too much time recruiting? And that would go hand in hand with what happens on game days at home.
3: Now, that, that, that never even really crossed my mind. Uh, you know, I know they have a handful of recruits in for, for every game. But now that, that I, I don't see that as an issue. Uh, they've prepared all week the game plan, what they want to do. I think it's the inexperience of a head coach not knowing how to press the right buttons from week to week. We saw it happen against Marshall because they invested so much in the Ohio State game that they weren't emotionally ready to play. There's no easy answer here um, but at the end of the day this is the responsibility of the head coach and the assistant coaches to make sure that the players are ready to, to ready to play quality football. They haven't done it at home.
1: That's a fact now, and I'm glad to hear that, by the way, because the recruiting is definitely trending up, and I don't want that to stop. I don't want anything to change in that regard. A bright spot last week. Let's talk about Logan Diggs. Uh, he was nine uh, carries, 57 yards last week, 17 carries, 93 yards against BYU. What has he changed in his running style, Tim? Because he's running a lot more effectively.
3: Well, that, my, my concern about him coming out of high school was his desire to kick it outside and and and, and hit the home run, run so to speak, um, you know, on on the edge. And you just can't play when you go up to the next level. You, you just can't play the game that way. He's if it's an inside zone run, you have to run and follow your blockers on the inside zone blo- inside zone blocking scheme. But uh, he, the last two games, BYU and Stanford has just been hammering the middle of Notre behind Notre Dame's uh, interior offensive line. And they've gotten some push, and he's really benefited from it. I, You know, that was what was preventing him from getting more playing time last year, to be quite honest, uh, in addition to having Kyron Williams and, and Chris Tyree. And so he's playing more physical brand of football. He's lowering his pads. He's hammering the line of scrimmage and following the blocking scheme, and he's having a lot of success.
1: He is, and credit running backs coach Dylan McCulloch with uh, really transforming him into a much more well-rounded runner. Uh, and as we're talking about running backs, uh, Audrick Estime having a really good season, but does he have a fumbling problem now? He never fumbled in high school. Take a look at the two fumbles he's had. They both come in critical situations.
3: Yeah, no doubt. I, the first one, not quite as critical because Norden had a lead and he was trying to stretch a football uh, helmet on football. No excuse. You need to protect it. I wouldn't call it a fumbling problem. I would say that he's fumbled twice in three games, um, but that can be an issue. And he certainly needs to, you know, when he, when he sees a defender converging on him and the helmet, helmet to football frequently causes uh, a turnover, a fumble. And he needs to be more conscious of it. And he's a big back that takes a lot of hits, and so he has to be prepared to wrap both hands around the football when he knows that that contact is imminent.
1: Oh, man, at the end of that run, if he just goes down on the ground without fumbling, Notre Dame's in field goal
3: position. Field goal range, yep. yep.
1: Uh, another bright spot, though, Tobias Merriweather. He's got one catch for his career, but this, nonetheless, we both know that this was a bright spot because it was a 41-yard touchdown Uh, Does the coaching staff now have enough trust in him that we're going to see a lot more of him?
3: I think they now have enough trust in him that we'll see more of him. I don't want to say a lot. It was like people asking last week whether Jaden Thomas was ready to emerge after BYU. It's got to happen more than once before you start saying that there's a a, a pattern here. But, man, he ran a great route. He had one-on-one with the safety, made a great move. The pass was perfect. Uh, from Drew Pine, Drew Pine missed some missed some throws, but that one was perfect, and it was just a big time play. I think Jason Garrett from from NBC called it a you know a really mature route, and I would agree with that. And it was a great play all around. So they need to find ways to get him on the field more. Um, he needs to do a better job of having a, a a deeper understanding of what they're doing offensively, and I would I would think especially at three and three. Uh, you have to get him on the field moving forward. But extensively, I'm going to hesitate until we see a pattern from from uh, Tobias Merriweather. Well,
1: if he develops, it's going to make Michael Mayer better. I think we all know that. Bright spot on defense, Nana Osafa Mensah. Three tackles, one tackle for loss, one forced fumble. Tim, he seemed to be doing his job on the edge all night long. And he talked to the media this week, and he, he came off as a really special young man. Talk about him.
3: Yeah, well, first of all, he did a great job in the game, and if you look at the stats, he had three tackles. That that number doesn't do justice what he did because he set the edge, which is very key, especially for the strong side defensive end, and I think funneled a lot of plays back into the the interior of Notre Dame's defense. So he set them up for for some plays, no doubt about that. And then I had never, uh, you know, I, I, we don't, I don't participate in the the process of speaking to recruits. We have others that do that, and so. That was the first time he had ever been brought to the media to speak, and he was fantastic. He put his teammates ahead of himself, spoke very highly of Notre Dame and the education, why he chose Notre Dame over Texas, because it was encouraged when he came to, to visit the campus that, um, that, you know, he would have an opportunity to mix with the student body, not just the, the football players. So a really smart kid. He has two years of eligibility remaining because of COVID, but next year, he'd be a fifth-year senior, and he intends to come back. It, they need a guy like him because they lose some some really key defensive ends this year.
1: And, and his first name, Nana, in his native language means king. Something to think about. He certainly played like one last week. Let's hope that continues. Uh, Tim, uh, through 24 quarters of play, one interception, one fumble. I know there's no answer to this, but let's talk about it anyway. It's, it's just Unbelievable. You got anything for me cuz in my column this week I suggested that maybe Notre Dame needs to visit a witch doctor. That's the only thing I can think of. It's just
3: crazy. Well, it really is and and you know, I can remember on more uh, writing on more than one occasion during the preseason coming out of practice reports of just how much L Golden emphasized, you know, ball disruption drills uh, more than I think that I had ever seen a previous coach. So you figure that that translates to the field. And there's a bunch coming in one game. I, I don't I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen any Nordame team go an entire year without having a bunch in, in one game. Certainly I don't don't remember two turnovers in six games. So they'll come and and they're they're doing the right things. Uh but sometimes that can that can ebb and flow and they say they come in bunches Well, they stay away in bunches too in Nordaim's instance this year. But I think they're coming well, to, This weekend would be a good time for it.
1: Yeah, it, it would be a good time, and it's a time when it, it certainly could happen against what supposedly the level of competition Notre Dame's playing. Of course, they've been playing to the level of their competition. All right, let's talk about slow starts to games. No touchdowns in the first quarter. No leads at the end of the first quarter. Is there any prescription for this? Tim, where's the responsibility lie for slow starts?
3: I mean, it starts with the head coach, and then it goes down to the offensive coordinator. I, you know, I think they're going to try to simplify things a little bit and not be so check with me from the sideline and just go for it a little bit more. Um, you know, I know on the first play when Jarrett Patterson jumped, I was told there were three checks made from the sideline and the, the snap count was changed by Drew Pine and then Jarrett Patterson jumps. Well, you can only, I mean, you can you can imagine why, why a problem would exist or be created by all of that consternation before the first snap of the game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see them play a little bit quicker this weekend, and it's probably a good opponent to do it against where you just, you know, line up and and do what you do and run your plays. Not that you don't make checks because you have to in today's game, but – Uh, I think a simplification of the opening drive is in order this weekend.
1: Yeah, let's script those first uh, dozen plays or so. Maybe uh, that's what they need and just go out and execute. Big word this week, execution. Tim, one quick hit before we wrap this segment up. What is drip? And tell us about the cleats the Irish will wear this week uh, in the game. Do you know what drip? We're the same age, just about. Do either of us know what drip is? Well, I
3: heard it when I heard how it was used. It's meant to be, you know, apparel, or they have the the, the cleats cause that uh, that Jack that you mentioned that Jack Kaiser um, instituted or, or or began. And uh, drip is just style, and uh, college football players are all about style. They'll have the different cleats, uh, and it's a, for a, a charitable cause that Jack Kaiser. Not surprising that Jack Kaiser helped organize.
1: Yeah, they're going to be hand-painted, each pair of cleats, and then after the game, they'll be uh, uh, they'll be auctioned off to benefit uh, the South Bend Center for the Homeless, the Boys and Girls Club of St. Joe County, the YMCA, and Cultivate Food Rescue, also another uh, charity in the South Bend area. And And I have now learned what drip is, because Marcus Freeman has referred to it a couple of times, and there's no doubt that Marcus Freeman has drip, and that means he looks good in the way he dresses, and uh, Notre Dame's going to look good with those cleats this week. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 376th edition of Fighting Irish Preview.
2: This is Art Salzberg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Shearer McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Shearer McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Shearer McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Shearer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Shearer McCulloch.
1: The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Built in 1930, the original capacity of Notre Dame Stadium was 54,000, and it was patterned after the University of Michigan Stadium. Today, after several renovations, it seats 77,622. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes.
0: That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk.
1: This is Fighting Irish Preview. The UNLV Rebels are in town this weekend. TV coverage is exclusively on Peacock and begins at 2.30 p.m. South Bend time. If you don't have Peacock, you can sign up for a seven-day free trial online at PeacockTV.com. Also, many Xfinity customers get Peacock for free, so check that out. You may actually have the channel and not even know it. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage, Chris Craft, Master and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. And this year we are focusing on the fighting Irish quarterbacks since 1988. So far, Tony Rice, Rick Meyer, Kevin McDougal, Ron Pollish, Jarius Jackson, Brady Quinn, Jimmy Clausen, and this week, and it's kind of almost ironic, Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese, a coach's kid who understood his limitations, maximized his talent and led the Irish to important victories. His coaches thought enough of his body of work that when his playing days were over, he went into coaching and rapidly rose in the profession to his current job as Notre Dame offensive coordinator. Originally from Los Angeles, Reese grew up in suburban Chicago. A three-star recruit out of high school, he came to N.D. in 2010 in Brian Kelly's inaugural season. He was pressed into action in Game 9 of his first year when Dane Chris suffered a season-ending injury. Reese took advantage of the opportunity and led the Irish to four straight wins to end the season, including upset wins over Utah and USC and a 33-17 victory in the Sun Bowl over Miami. He went on to have his best season statistically in 2011, throwing 20 touchdown passes with a 65.5% completion rate. Nonetheless, Everett Golson took over as a starter in 2012, but in fact, Reese was called upon several times to come off the bench and to bail the Irish out as they ran to an undefeated regular season. Then, when Golson was not eligible in 2013, Reese regained his starting role and threw for 3,257 yards and 27 touchdowns. He notched his second postseason win that year against Rutgers in the Pinstripe Bowl. Tommy Reese left his mark on the Notre Dame record books. He presently ranks in the top five in Notre Dame history in 21 different single game, single season, or career passing categories. Tim, Tommy Reese may be a bit slow afoot, threw some interceptions, no doubt, but he engineered some big wins for the Irish, including coming off the bench twice during the 2012 March to the National Championship game.
3: Yeah, you know, he was recruited by Charlie Weiss. He stuck with the class when the change was made. And. You know, I always defended Tommy Reese, the quarterback, uh, because, you know, it was up to more talented players to win and keep the job. Now, Dane Chris did and ended up, you know, suffering the the season-ending injury. But the fact of the matter is that Tommy Reese was very solid at what he did and was the best and most competent quarterback for most of the time that he was at Notre Dame. He lost the starting job in 2012 to Everett Golson but he was there to bail him out coming off the bench. I think he was always a pretty good soldier when it came to losing his starting job. Not, a, not a, not a great player and not a guy that a whole lot of people want to talk about now, uh, as all time Irish heroes, but, uh, he was a guy that did his job and it wasn't his fault that there wasn't somebody better to beat him out.
1: Well, I, I make the definition of what an all time Irish hero is. So, uh, you know, a guy who, who played as much as he did at Notre Dame as the quarterback and did the things he did, in my mind, is a hero. And after a short stint as a player with the Washington Redskins, Reese started his coaching career in 2015 as a graduate assistant at Northwestern, went on to a year with the San Diego Chargers as an offensive assistant, and in 2017 returned to South Bend as part of Brian Kelly's staff as quarterback's coach. Tommy Reese, another Marina Lake Age all-time Irish hero, the marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. UNLV is 4-3. and three. They've lost two in a row. Air Force last week, 42-7. Uh, and two weeks ago, to San Jose State, 40-7. to seven. In week two, they lost to common opponent, Cal, 24-14. 2-10 a year ago, Marcus Arroyo is in his third season at the helm of the Rebels. UNLV is 68th in total offense, 95th in total defense, and has injury issues. Their starting quarterback, Doug Broomfield, missed the Air Force game, and he is day-to-day in concussion protocol. Their star running back, Aiden Robbins, went out in the second quarter last week with a knee injury, and he is also day-to-day. The 6'5", left-handed is is a 68% passer with running skills. The Rebels won four of their first five to start the season with him in charge. If he can't go, look for 6'3", 230-pound Cameron Friel, who got a lot of experience last year, to get the call. Last week, Friel was 8-10 for 108 yards with a touchdown pass. Rebel quarterbacks have been sacked 20 times this season, a shade under three per game. Whoever is at quarterback will have top receiver Ricky White available. White is a transfer from Michigan State. He's a 6'1 sophomore who has 33 catches this season for 444 yards and four touchdowns. While at state, White set a freshman school game record with 196 yards in a game that was an upset of Michigan in 2020. Robbins is a Louisville transfer who carried 125 yards so far this season for 591 yards and eight TDs. At 6'3", 230, presents an Audric Estime-like challenge to would-be tacklers. His main backup is junior Courtney Reese at 5'8", 165. Reese presents a significantly different profile than Robbins. Reese has gained just 217 yards on 37, carries no touchdowns. The Rebels' defense is giving up 27.7 points per game, 74th best nationally. Austin Ajakee. Anchors the linebacking core, and he is the leading tackler for the Rebels with 72 by a wide margin, I might add. UNLV has picked off 11 passes, which ranks them fourth best in the nation. When healthy, UNLV has the look of a, of a pretty dangerous team. Their roster is made up of 11 FBS transfers and a whole slew of former junior college players, and critical to any success they might have against the Irish will be the health of two of their top offensive skill players in Brumfield, the quarterback, and running back Robbins. Tim Priester, some question marks here uh, due to UNLV injuries makes this prognostication a little tricky. What is the Aspen mortgage key to an Irish victory?
3: Well, as you mentioned, those players, Brumfield and Robbins, are really key. Behind Robbins is the Courtney Reese kid who's just hes just a little back. He's not a guy that can carry 20 times a game. I really like their receiving core. Ricky White is very good, and they have others. But for me, it just comes down to this. Notre Dame offense, line up and go. Just line up and play and push the football down the field. There's no reason to to be hesitant in this game. Notre Dame's defense, regardless who the quarterback is, and Cameron Friel, Is a competent quarterback. He does have experience, as you said, but they're not going to be able to score a whole bunch against Notre Dame. Line up and move the football. It's time for Notre Dame to do that in Notre Dame Stadium.
1: Okay, offense, just line up and go. Uh, Don't get so stuck in the weeds, I would say. I would add to that. And that is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who then is this week's Aspen Mortgage Key player for the Irish?
3: Well, it's Drew Pine because Drew Pine can't afford to play to the level that he did last week. They need him to play like he did against North Carolina and BYU, and I'm confident that he, that he will bounce back. Now, whether he can bounce back as the, the competition gets a little bit more difficult at Syracuse and Clemson, that remains to be seen. But for whatever reason, he was whether he was not in the right frame of mind or he was just inaccurate. But Drew Pine has to have a big day and I'm pretty confident that he can do that against this UNLV defense.
1: Okay, Drew Pine, hopefully with the bounce-back performance. That is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN, and it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy, your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim Howard, the Irish health-wise, going into game seven and another loss at practice this week.
3: Yeah, a little bit more extensive than we've been accustomed to so far this season. The the, the person you're referring to is the freshman tight end Eli Raridan, who tore his ACL during his senior season of basketball in high school. He recovered very quickly from it, but he tore the the ACL again. So that's going to be a, a process. Jason Adamalola, he had the rib injury, missed a good portion uh, of uh, like about three quarters of the game. He's kind of day-to-day. We'll see how much they use him. Jaden Mickey uh, with an abductor issue, probably out. Uh, Howard Cross was back last week with a foot injury. Good news, Tariq Bracey already needed him last week uh, in that nickel roll. He has a hamstring issue, but should be ready to go.
1: Okay, let's hope those guys get back and get healthy. And we, of course, wish Eli Raritan the best in his recovery. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world famous Irish Illustrated prediction brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas is the Irish by 26 and a half. It may even be up to 27. What does America's foremost authority say?
3: That's an awfully big number for a team struggling as much as Nordame is offensively in Nordame Stadium. But I think it tells us something, and that is that that probably Doug Brumfield, the quarterback, and Aiden Robbins aren't going to be available. I would also throw in Adam Plant, uh, their best defensive lineman, their defensive end. But, you know, I think it's a big number, but I also think that Nordame bounces back. I think you're going to see an offense that, uh, that can pretty much do what it wants against UNL's defense. They'll they'll rise up and play pretty good football at times, especially with some of their defensive linemen. But I think Notre Dame responds to this situation. They need to get going before they head to Syracuse and then host Clemson. I think Notre Dame responds to the situation. I have a final score, for better or for worse, after last week's prediction, 41-13 to 13 in favor of Notre Dame.
1: ND-41, the Rebels... 13, that is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. Tim, week to week, this just is getting tough. I mean, I'm just we're whipsawed by the performance of this Notre Dame team, not really knowing who we're going to get. But this week, my head says there's a big spread for a reason. And I actually feel that Notre Dame is going to get off to a fast start. That had to have been an emphasis this week. Fast start, maybe get a turnover or two. This is the team to get them against. Notre Dame 34, UNLV 17. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions.
2: Podcasts by Federated Media.